If you will this morning, as class is dismissed, teenagers stand here this morning, if you would please. Um, we will reconvene in a couple of weeks for Sunday school. The class is dismissed this morning. I think that's like the first time I've ever remembered to do that on a Sunday morning. So I'm going to take that as a good sign. <laughs> Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. And when you find that, if you would stand for the reading of God's word and we'll let you sit down. And you might want to also mark 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Read in a few places this morning. That's all right, and, and I will tell some of those in the house this morning, they, they may have heard a lot of this message before, some of the young people, but the Lord just revisited me with this, and I believe we need to be encouraged and realize who we are and whose we are. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, familiar portion of Scripture, beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. No, of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles. And I'm going to kind of do this expository. That word means in the original language the trickery of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, or that word wickedness in the original language can mean against spiritual plots and sin. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand or resist in that evil day, and having done all to stand. I'm going to stop right here real briefly. And Paul is, is telling the Ephesians here, when you see evil rising and it seems that things are getting worse, take or put on the whole armor of God so that you can equip yourself. Equip yourself for that evil day, that you would be able to stand. Verse 14, Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is, uh, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Let us pray. God, we come before you. We thank you for your Word. And Lord, that your Word is still alive and is still speaking to us. Lord, I ask that it would speak to this congregation today in the manner in which it spoke to me. And I love you and I praise you and I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And the church says, amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 says, For though we walk in flesh, or 
though we are flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I don't know about you, but I think it's plain from our text this morning, Brother Brian, that we're in a battle. And in 2 Corinthians, it plainly says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So it's very evident to see through putting on the armor in Ephesians 6 to the weapons, talking about the weapons of our warfare, that it makes it very clear, and I know I'm not, I'm not really speaking anything new this morning, but it, Paul is making it clear to the Ephesian church and the Corinthian church that you are in a fight, that you are in a battle, that you are in a war that is not of this world. I'm going to tell you a quick story real quick uh, about war. And I'm a a history buff, so just indulge me for a few minutes. I'm not going to stay there very long. But in December of 1776, the Continental Army under George Washington had been taking a beating from the British. They had lost New York, and it was just an embarrassment. And they're in winter camp in December of 1776, and George Washington realizes that his army is about to be cut in half because their enlistments are about to end. And he, he tells his, his comrades, he says, we have to do something. So we, we, we read and, and learn of this story in school about the crossing of the Delaware And he crosses the Delaware on Christmas Eve into Christmas Day of 1776. And he goes in and he surprises an army in Trenton and he wins. And then what what we we read about that, but what we don't know is that he fought three battles in ten days. And... He, bought this, he, he fought the second battle of Trenton, and then he's at the battle of Princeton. And Brother Larry, it, things aren't looking good because he's looking at his lines, and you know, warfare was very out in the open in those days. And they're just one line in front of another, and he sees that his line is crumbling under the pressure. He sees, uh, Kirsten, that men are retreating from the line and they're leaving in droves. And he's saying, listen, this campaign is so important. We're, We're going to lose, we're not only going to lose this battle, but we are going to lose all hope and thus the revolution is going to be over. We're all going to be hung as, as traitors. It's going to be over. So he makes a decision to wade into the battle himself. And, and, and writers, uh, men at the battle, would begin to write down and recall afterward uh, that he just strode on his horse. He sat there and he just began to walk towards the enemy lines. Uh, and he just, he just, just kept walking forward. Uh, they said his eyes were fixed uh, and almost as they were glazed over as he just looked upon the enemy and he just continued 
continued to walk forward as the enemy prepared to load their muskets and to, to throw another volley of gunfire into his lines. They, they said that there was no way that George Washington, they said he didn't even look to his right. He didn't look to his left. He was just looking at the enemy. He had no idea if anybody was following him. He had no idea if anybody was watching him. But as he strode towards the front of the line, the enemy let out a big burst, a big volley of gunfire. And they said that men turned their heads because they were afraid to see a fallen George Washington. They respected this man so much. They didn't want to see him fall. But as the smoke cleared, they saw him standing on his horse. And they began to, or sitting on his horse, and he was unfazed. And his, his eyes were still fixed on the enemy. And they began to say to one another, this is a man that we can fight for. This is someone that we can go into battle for. You say, what does this have to do with anything? I wanted to present to you a thought this morning. A thought the Lord gave me a few months ago. But I really feel that someone in this house needs to hear this this morning. The British realized quickly after that battle that that the army that, that the enemy necessarily wasn't the Continental Army, but Brian, they knew if they could eliminate George Washington, they could eliminate the entire army. You say, what does that have to do with this? Let me tell you this. I want you to know that that many people think that the, the weapons were the muskets they used, the cannons they used, but in the minds of British officers, the weapon was George Washington. He was the weapon. He was the leader. He was the, the, the mastermind. He was the man that they feared and respected. And he was the man that, that could lead armies into battle. He was the one that was unfazed. So I want to preach to you this morning. Are you the weapon that God is going to use to bring down strongholds? I want you to hear me this morning. The weapon is, uh, the, the term weapon is defined simply as contending against another or something that is used to injure or defeat or destroy. Colossians chapter 1 tells us this in verse 27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. He says, this is the mystery, he tells us, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. You say, translate for me, this King James English is throwing me off. What is glory? Glory is the manifestation of God's presence. Glory, literally, a synonym of glory can mean to show. It is something visible. So he's saying this is the mystery. This is the thing that we all need to figure out. That is Christ is in you is the hope of a manifestation of His presence. Anybody following me this morning? I, 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 we're going to take a journey because I want you to realize this. So often in our culture, we, we, we look at things and we'll say, well, I'll post about Jesus. 
I, I, I thank God for that. Uh, I, I'll post a, a segment of someone preaching uh, or, or uh, I, I, I'll post a song that I've been listening to, a worship song. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I, I tell these young people so often, uh, we're in a society that we, we, we can click and share uh, the gospel, okay? Uh, but when someone's sitting across from us, uh, we, we, our, our mouths are closed. Uh, there is no manifestation of God's presence in our life uh, because we, we're, we're intimidated. We're afraid. We, 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 we don't want to do anything. I want you to know. I want you to know this morning that it's Christ in you is the weapon against the darkness that is going on in this world. Listen, everybody's looking for a weapon to cure COVID. Everybody's looking for a weapon to get people out of addiction. Everybody's looking for a weapon to cure cancer and diabetes. But I want you to know that there's a weapon on the inside of me, and his name is. Jesus Christ manifest through his Holy Ghost and I want you to know that strongholds can still fall that people can still be healed that lives can be transformed why? because there's a weapon within my heart there's a weapon within me Christ in you the hope of glory let me put it to you this way Moses out in the desert Moses I'm going to come down and hang out with y'all is that all right? Okay, I want you to get this. I want you to realize this. Because we, we, we think that, oh, well, I share about God and I share verses and I take pictures of my devotion and, and that's cute. Oh, that's cute. But, but and, 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 and I, I, I'm not saying that those things can't work and those things aren't good. It, it's okay to be public about your faith. But we're so public on Facebook that we don't feel like we have to be public in public. And, 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 and it, does that make any sense to you? So Moses on the backside of the desert, he's run away because he's murdered a man. And he's sitting out there and the Bible tells us he's content to stay out there. And he, he's just going to hang out with his, his daddy-in-law and he's going to have a family. He's going to be a sheep herder and a goat herder. He's, he's just fine where he's at. But then he sees a burning bush. He goes to the burning bush and God says, listen, I've heard the cries of my people in Israel. I know that, that they're in bondage and that they need a savior. And he's like, okay, that's great. Most of us be cool with that. Oh, God knows what's going on. That's great. But then uh, Moses isn't cool when God says, but I'm going to send you. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, you're the God of the universe. What, what, you don't need me. And he said, oh, oh listen, uh, I've heard the cry. I know what's going on. I know my people are messed up and afflicted. Uh, he said, but I'm sending you. Oh, what was he saying? He's saying, listen, Moses, I'm the power that you're going to have. I'm going to walk with you. But I want you to know that you are the weapon. You are the vehicle. You are the vessel that I am going to use. What? To bring millions of people out of bondage. I want to know if somebody is willing to be a weapon used by the kingdom of God that will say, you know what? I'll pray and fast until some Something happens. You know what, God? I'll have radical obedience. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Is anybody a weapon? Oh, but it continues. Gideon. Gideon's, we, we all know the story of Gideon. He's hiding in the wine press. Uh, there's Midianite raiders in his land. Uh, the angel shows up and says, you're a mighty man of valor. He said, what are you talking about, man? Keep it down. I, I'm not a mighty man of valor. You need to be quiet. There's people out here wanting to kill me. And, 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 and we, we see this dialogue go back and forth. Uh, and he says, listen, man, God's calling you out. God's calling you out. And, and, and I'm paraphrasing for the sake of time. And Gideon says, whoa, whoa, wait a second. 
God, where have you been? Where, where, where's the God that we heard about of, of Moses? And where's the God that brought us out of Egypt? And, and you see, this is the problem with the American church is we're looking unto God to, to just come down and snap his fingers and everything be gone. But I want you to know that what God did to Gideon is he, the angel told Gideon, he said, you're going to slay the Midianites as if you were one man. He said, have not I sent you? Listen, uh, they were laying for Jesus to come down and fight, fight fight their battles. I want you to know that the victory is yours, but you still got to put the armor on. You still got to get the word out. You still got to get your faith in place and say, you know what? I'm going to wage into this battle myself because I know that God has already went before me and he's made a way. He's made a way. So Gideon say, oh God, where you been? Where you been? And he said, I'm here now and I'm sending you. Why? Because he was saying, Gideon, I want you to become the weapon. You said, well, but, 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 but I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just a simple guy. I, I was born and raised in Lebanon, Ohio. I, I was a preacher's kid that acted like a pagan kid. And, and I, 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 I just have all these insecurities, all these, I dealt with all those things. Listen, I can testify about myself because I know myself. Okay, and I, I, oh God, I just, I'll never get over. I'll never get over the addiction. Oh God, I'll never get over what they said about me. Oh God, I'll never get over how I look. Young lady, listen to me. I'll never get over. God, I'll never get over. And he's saying, listen, you're the weapon. You're the weapon. You're the weapon. Don't you realize that it's Christ in you is the weapon to what you're dealing with in your life. Some of us just need to speak to the inside of ourselves and say, Jesus, come out. Holy Spirit, come out. Holy Ghost, flow. You're a river come alive in my life I have depression oh I'm going to let the river flow oh I'm dealing with anxiety I'm so afraid oh I'm going to let the river flow oh I want somebody to realize that the Holy Ghost on the inside of you is the weapon release the weapon You say, well, what, what, what can I use? What can I use? I, I don't know what to do. Moses said, I, I ain't got nothing to offer you. He said, what you got in your hand? He said, I got a staff. This is what I know. This is how I do my life. He said, that's enough. You say, well, it's just a staff. No, that was his way of life. And what God was saying is, are you going to give me your life? And he said, yeah. He said, all right, I can use you. You see... If Jesus is strong enough to come up and change our today, that means He's strong enough for you to go out in your daily life and change someone's tomorrow. Because it's Christ in you. We read in Ephesians, hey, it's a war. We read in 1 Corinthians, hey, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I'm not saying you got to go down and punch Jesus, people in the face in the name of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. That's not that kind of war. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. Coronavirus, you say, oh, it attacks the flesh. It's not, it's not flesh and blood. I want you to know that cancer is not a flesh and blood. It's not this thing. You say, well, it affects my body. I want you to know that the spirit of infirmity is behind all these, trying to weigh down the people of God. There's this depression. I tell you, I 
I was talking to a young girl uh, uh, about six months ago, uh, and God brought me to brought me this this morning. I was her youth pastor uh, for many years, and 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 she was confiding uh, in me one time. Uh, she was here for a conference, uh, and she was saying, "Listen, uh, I'm saved. Uh, I'm blood bought. Uh, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, and and I, I don't understand what's going on with me. Uh, but the doctor's wanting to put me on depression medication, uh, thinking that uh, I'm too depressed uh, to get through the stresses of life." Uh, and something rose up in the inside of me. I, I said, you need to let out the Holy Ghost uh, that is on the inside of you. Uh, and you need to let him flow in your life. Uh, when you get down, uh, you just begin to worship. Uh, begin to declare the truth. Uh, I tell you, we spend so much time uh, looking at ourselves and our own issues. Uh, no wonder we can't help the person on our left uh, and on our right. Uh, but you got to realize this morning uh, that the Holy Spirit within inside of you is the weapon. We're looking for treatment for everything. We look for treatment for everything. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against psychologists. I'm not against those things. But we're in a society we look for treatment for everything because there's a label for everything. Someone comes in one day and said, they're sad. Oh, girl, you're depressed. Well, they just said they were sad. She had a tough day. Oh, depressed. You're depressed, 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 depressed. It's the first things out of our mouth. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you tonight. But I, I, I want someone to speak to that young lady and say, do you realize, Maddie Mullins, you're the weapon? Do you realize, Cameron, that on your worst day, there's something on the inside of you that's greater than anything that's going on the outside of you? Oh, someone needs to hear me this morning. There's a weapon welling up on the inside of you. And God gave me this this morning as I was just praying and studying here early this morning. He said, it's time for my church to weaponize. I want my church to weaponize. You say, what does that mean? That means they, they're getting it ready. Right, right, Brother Ken? They're, they're getting it ready. They're adapting. They're changing. They're, they're getting the weapon ready. They're getting the sights in. They're, they're making sure the ammunition's good. They're making sure the primer of their rifle's right in. Oh, they're, they're checking it out. They're tearing it apart. They're, they're cleaning it. They're prepping it. Why? Because we're in war. And the enemy's had too much fun for too long. And it's time for the church to stand up. And you say, you know what? You've been doing your own thing long enough. You've had control long enough in my family. You've had control long enough in my work office. You've had you've had control long enough at my college campus or in my high school or middle school classroom listen devil I want you to know that the weapon is in the house because why the weapon lives on the inside of this house I'm ready to unleash power I'm ready to unleash anointing I'm ready to bring freedom I'm ready to break bonds this morning is anybody a weapon oh give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning To come to the music. We got Moses, we got Gideon. But then there's David. David shows up. We talk about David and Goliath all the time. But there's just so much there. It's just so good. I mean, you could read it. 50 times a day, every day for the rest of your life and you get something new. It's because the word is alive. But David shows up. Goliath's been running his yap for 40 days. And I want you to know that the enemy's been running his yap 
for about 2,000 years. And the problem with American church is we're believing what he's saying. He, he's, he's telling people, you ain't worth it. I, I, have you seen the suicide rates? My, my Lord. So David shows up. Here's Goliath talking. He says, I'm going to do something about this. He said, I'll fight him. His brothers speak up. Say, David, come on. I mean, I have an older brother. Elijah knows what I'm talking about. Jaden looks at Elijah and says, come on, man. Really? I know what my brothers say. You stupid. Don't talk like that. And David's response, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? I want to ask you this morning, is there not a reason we should do something? I was telling, I was telling the boys today, there's a college football game, it's Division Two, Division III, uh, uh, what we would term a, a small school. They, they, they have it on video. They have it on video. A coach going over to another coach. The coach has a piece of paper laying in his hand. Then he puts up his play card to hide the face of the coach. And the coach begins to snort crack right on the sideline. Middle-aged man with a family. On TV. Thought nobody was watching. But he was that desperate he had to have it right then. Is there not a cause? What if there's a Christian athlete on that team? I could just ask him, is there not a cause? Not to shame him. No, no, no. Is there not a reason? So David said, is there not a cause? He goes through all the formalities, goes to the king. The king's like, you're crazy, but I'll let you do it. He goes out there. And we, Sharon, we talk about the sling. Which he didn't do this. He would have just... talk about the sling and we talk about him taking the sword and... but those weren't the weapon you say how do you know that preacher because I, I read the chapter before this when a prophet came Garrett can you help me out just come forward real quick a prophet came and I ain't going to do this to you I ain't going to open the cap he had a horn of oil and he said you're the one And they thought the sling was the weapon. And they thought the sword was the weapon. No, the anointing that breaks the yoke. You better hear that this morning. The anointing that shuts the mouths of lions, that takes the heat out of fire, the anointing that brings down giants was upon his life. Thank you. David was a weapon. Young people, you're the weapon. 
parents, you're the weapon to change the culture in your home. I want you to hear this plus size preacher this morning. You're the weapon. Why? Because God has anointed your life. Just as Mordecai told Esther, he said, for such a time as this. You've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. I want you to know that you're in the kingdom of God for such a time as this. As you stand across this house, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of a manifestation. You know what that looks like? That's when you're sitting by that co-worker and they're just going through it. But all of a sudden something begins to happen on the inside of you. You begin to say, can I pray with you? You say, well, that's so simple. But you don't realize that's Christ in you. The manifestation of God's glory. What that looks like is when your child that wants nothing to do with church comes and they're struggling. You say, you know, honey, I know you're not into the church thing, but all I know how to do is pray. Can we pray? You say, oh, that's so simple, but that's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Because they're there on the other side of that prayer saying, they, they can say, I don't want anything to do with it, but on the other side, they're saying, God, I hope this works. I hope this works. I needed this. God, I needed this. But all they need is for Christ in you to be manifested. People say all the time, I, I see it posted all the time, I can do all things. And that's where they stop. That's not what the verse says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why did, why, why did Paul say that? I couldn't be the weapon to defeat sin. But Jesus was. People talk about the cross. The cross wasn't the weapon. The weapon was hanging on the cross. Oh, you need to hear me this morning. The tomb wasn't the weapon. It was the man that walked out of the tomb that was the weapon. You, you didn't have the ability in yourself to, to, to be any addiction, to overcome any situation. That, that is not found in you. It's found in the weapon, and His name is Jesus Christ. So if it's Christ in me, the hope of God, if it's I can do all things through the greatest weapon of the universe of all time, I can do anything. The impossible become possible because it's Christ in you. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. And I'm going to end with this verse. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. Paul's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. But it doesn't stop there. To profit with all. To profit all.
the Holy Spirit in the believer. He said the manifestation, there is a manifestation for each one, everyone to profit all. So I want to ask you this morning, can you dig deep and say, I'm trying to pull out the weapon. You may have so much junk going on in your life, you got to just clean it all out before you get there. But you just need to begin to clean. What does that look like? God, search me. Search me. Search me. Make me new. Make me whole. Make me an overcomer that your word talks about. Lord God, make me. Make me more than a conqueror through your love. God, make me what you want me to be. I want you to ask God to weaponize you. And it's about time. It's about time that the church becomes the church. Because George Washington in our story, I didn't forget about him. I'm bringing him back. He knew they had to do something or it was over. They weren't just fighting for their freedom. These men had women and children at home. They had generations to come. They said, if we do this now, if we become the weapon, it'll all change. Weaponize. We got veterans in this house. And I've used this illustration before, and we're done. I promise you. I'm done. I've never seen someone walk up to a veteran and say, I'm glad you used an M16, depending what area you were in, M4. I'm glad you knew how to shoot your pistol, whether it was a Colt, whether it was a Glock, whatever the service gear you were in. I'm glad you knew how to use a grenade. No one's ever said that. Yeah. Yeah. And like I go to Brother Ken and I say, thank you for your service. Because a bullet don't have any brains. The soldier is the weapon. The soldier is the weapon. And if I got to put my war clothes on, like Ephesians 6 say, that means I'm the weapon. So if you're here tonight and you say, I just want to be, or this morning say, I want to just be weaponized. I just want God's Spirit to move on the inside of me, renew a right mind in me, make me right, get rid of the addiction, get rid of the repeating sin, get rid of all the thoughts, get rid of all the... I I don't care what you're dealing with. None of it will surprise me. I I will tell you that. Working with young people, working with adults, nothing surprises me what people deal with. Nothing will surprise But if you're here this morning and say, I just, I want a fresh start. I want the weapon to come out in my life. I want to change the atmosphere at work. I want to change the atmosphere at my home. I want to change the atmosphere around my children. I want to change the atmosphere at church. I want to change the atmosphere in my car. I want to change the atmosphere at school, in my classroom, on the sidelines of a basketball game, on the field of a football game. In center field, you could be singing praises during a baseball game. I don't care what it may look like, but someone needs to release the weapon in this city because this city needs hope. And it's in you.
Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you could take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.